Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. So this week we read Parshat Bo, which contains the <clears throat> the last three of the plagues and the, the mitzvah, the whole commandment, the entirety of the commandment of the Korban Pesach. Now, part of that commandment, this is what I want to focus on today, is the famous image that I think we probably all carry in our minds of the mitzvah to take some of the blood of the Korban Pesach and to put it on the Shtei Mezuzot, the two doorposts, the Al Hamashkov, and on the lintel of the houses in which they're going to be eating the Korban Pesach. So if you want, you can Google it. But basically what the Mashkov is, is like the beam that is above the doorway um, of the house. And then, of course, the mezuzot are the two sides of the house. So basically, the Israelites are commanded to take the blood, put it on the top part of the house, of the doorway to the house, and then on each side of the doorway of the house. Now, within the Torah, God is pretty clear about what the purpose of this is. And by the way, this, this mitzvah sort of, it's stated prescriptively, and then what actually happens all in chapter 12. So in chapter 12, verse 13, Hashem says, V'haya hadam lachem le'ot al habatim asher atem sham. Now this blood will be for you a sign on your houses where you are, ostensibly for what purpose? V'ra'iti et hadam v'pasachti alechem. I will see, I says God, I will see the blood and I will pass over your house, the lo negev, right? And then there won't be any plague or anything in your house that's going to kill um, the rest of Egypt when God, of course, strikes on that night. So it seems that there's already a little bit of confusion, only because Hashem first says, the blood is going to be lachem le'ot, right? For you as a sign, but... The purpose, it seems, is that God will then see the blood and pass over the houses. And we see something similar if then, if you skip down to verse 23, um, uh, the Pasuk says, that Hashem came to, to sort of attack, to smite the Egyptians. And God saw the blood on the parts of the door. And Hashem therefore passed over the house. And therefore the destroyer could not enter and smite the home. Um, and then God says you should observe this thing as a chok, as a law for you, for your children for all time. So it seems like, okay, what God is very clearly saying is you're going to do all of these things. You're going to put the blood there and Therefore, God will see it and pass over the house. And so I think that logically then what we assume is, is that the Israelites are taking the blood and smearing it on the out, on the visible part to the outside, a part of their doorway, right? So if like, it's, it's like they step outside of their house and they turn around and they face the front door and they smear the blood on the left side, on the right side, and then on the top. And therefore God sees the blood and skips over their house. Now, that's true on a practical level, but of course, then this raises, I could say lots of questions, but really, frankly, it's just one bigger question, which is, what? Why does God need to see blood in order to pass over the house, right? We're, it, we're making it seem like this is a sign, a signal to God, this is a Jewish house, don't come here. 
okay, well, first of all, the Jews, they, they lived in Goshen. They live in a different area. So it's not like you have Israelite, Egyptian, Israelite, Egyptian, all sharing a block. But also, what do you mean God has to see the blood? Like, what does that mean? God doesn't need a sign. God knows where the Egyptians are and where the Israelites are. Like, why suddenly are we describing God as someone or as something who's bound by sight and requires a signal in order to know who is in the house? These rays, I mean, this is a big theological question and it seems to clash with I would say our understanding of God in a broader context, and frankly, also the understanding of God within the greater story of the plagues, where God knows the, the plagues aren't going to happen near in Goshen, right? God is able to protect the Israelites from the plagues in all the other circumstances. So why here suddenly does God need a sign in order to know to pass over? And this, I think, is where Rashi references um, the Mechilta de Rabbi Ishmael, chapter 12, um, and his commentary on these verses. And so, for example, for Vera'iti Tadam, when God says, I will see the blood, he says, Hakol galui lafanav, right? God knows everything. Ella, Amara Kadash Barachu, but still God said, No ten ani et enai lir ot shatem asukim bemitzvotai. But I am going to sort of turn my eyes, so to speak, to see that you are occupied in my mitzvot. Right? So the way that Rashi, the way that the Mechilta that Rashi cites deals with this is and says, Don't worry, God already knows everything. Right? God knows all. But God is saying, uh, I'm going to just look and see if you are occupied with my mitzvot. If you were able to internalize my commandments of put this blood on your doorposts. And if you were, if you listened to what I said, then great. That's really what I'm looking for. And if you did, then I will pass over your house. Okay. That is a way of solving the sight thing. And really what we do then is deflect from the notion of the blood being an indicator, visual indicator to God, not of, oh, this is an Israelite house, but of here lives a Jew in Israel, whatever you want to call them, who is following God's commandment, right? Who is following God's, the, the mitzvah, they were commanded this and here they're actually doing it. Now, what's the significance of that? To take it one step further, I want to look at the previous Rashi on the earlier part of the Pasuk, where Hashem says, hadam lachem la'ot. We talked about how that's the one part of the Pasuk that seems a little bit strange, because the rest of it focuses on this being a visual signal to God. But also first God says, hadam lachem la'ot, that this blood will be for you for a sign. So what does it mean for you as a sign? Rashi says, lachem la'ot. It's a sign for you, but not for anybody else. That's the Medrash. And then Rashi continues, From here we learn that they only put the blood on the inner part of the door. Right, so Rashi, so Rashi is saying, means it's a sign for you and you only not for anybody else, Israelite, Egyptian, anyone. And therefore, what he learns out from this is that actually the Israelites, 
they didn't follow the presumptive visual that we talked about in the beginning of you step outside your house, you turn around, you put the blood on the outside so that someone outside your house can see it. No, it means that they actually stood inside their home and faced the doorway and put the blood on the inside of the door. Now, this is an amazing thing to say because what this does is remove any semblance of the act of putting the blood on the door, if it's on the outside of the door, is having any practical effect whatsoever. If you're putting blood on the outside of the door, sure, you can struggle with the idea that what God sees this, God, God doesn't see, God knows everything, blah, 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 but fine, at least it's a symbol. If you're putting the blood on the indoor of the door, you know, as Rashi says, no one else is going to be seeing it. This is just a sign for you and you alone. And to connect it to the following Rashi, the next part of the Medrash, it's a sign for you, like, for what exactly? Well, if the whole purpose is that we are indicating to God, not that we're Israelites, but that we are following God's commandment, then really what this blood becomes is a sort of a, a sign internal into your house that God commanded me to do something and I did it. I had enough faith to take some of this blood that was collected from the sacrifice and smear it all over my doorway. And it's not the fact that this serves as any kind of practical purpose, but the fact alone of being able to do it is the actual purpose of the mitzvah, right? That it, it's, and you could argue perhaps it's a test or maybe a reward of saying, I actually did something. I was able to do this. Usually we think, okay, you know, a reward for doing a mitzvah or something you take pride in is something a little bit nicer more pleasant than having blood smeared all over your house, right? But okay, they're leaving their houses anyway, so maybe they don't care, may as well trash it before you go. So this is what we end up with, that the blood is there as a sign, each Jew for themselves, each household for themselves to say, I followed God's commandment. And I think that with this interpretation, we really can understand it sheds really a new light, a new way of thinking about the purpose of the Korban Pesach, the purpose of this all being inserted, these commandments being inserted into the narrative, right? We, there's a lot of discussion about how asking why is the story paused in real time for all the mitzvahs of the Korban Pesach to be told over? Why not wait till later? when they can actually write it down, when they're not actually stressing about having to leave? Why do they have to stop all this frantic, nervous energy and listen to this commandment? So what some people point out is that it's very, very specifically referred to in the Torah as a chok, right? A chok is the part, the laws in the Torah that don't have any rational basis, that aren't explainable, that you don't look at them and say, oh, okay, I, that's why we do it. No, you look at them, you say, huh, that's a strange thing God's commanding us to do, but God's commanding us to do it, so we'll do it anyway. Now, all of the Korban Pesach is referred to as a chok, but specifically also, it's called a chok again, right after this mitzvah of putting the blood on the doorpost is described. And so synthesizing all of this together, I think we can see that part of the purpose, if not the entire purpose of the Korban Pesach, was I think not just to serve as a test of the Israelites, whether they were capable of following God's commandments, but I think instead perhaps a sign for them that if they did it, they were capable of following God's commandments. That they all they had to know for themselves was to have the confidence to say, yeah, 
we can do this. And not only we can do this, but we did it, right? They put the blood on the inside of their doorpost as a sign that they can do it and that they did it, that they were able to do this Korban Pesach. They were able to do all of this. They, we know that until now, whose orders have they been following? They've been following Paro's orders. They haven't had a choice. They've just had to. Now they have to choose to follow God's orders instead and to leave Paro behind. And by putting blood in the indoor of their doorpost, it's like saying, yeah, I was able to do this. It's a visual reminder of everything they could accomplish. And I think it's especially you know, nice. I think of, um, you know, Yoni and I love the show Ted Lasso, for example. And, um, there's a sign, um, that he, he puts a sign that says believe, um, right above where the Moshko, frankly would be, um, on the top of the doorway as you're exiting the locker room. So you kind of look at it and you can like give it a little, you know, a little kiss or a little high five on your way out. So take that idea here. You're trying to give chizuk to this nation on the eve of their leaving Israel excuse me, even leaving Egypt. Um, and as they have to gather the bravery to leave their homes and run away, what's the last thing they see as they leave their house? It's not necessarily a yellow and blue sign that says believe, but it's blood on the doorway that can remind them, don't worry, you can do this. And how do you know that you can do it? Because you've already started the process and you've already proven to yourself that you are capable of leaving Egypt behind and instead entering God's world. Shabbat Shalom.